0: Are you an aspiring vocalist and you've been wanting to get into recording? Perhaps you're just a bit confused about DAWs, microphones, preamps, and all that other technical stuff. Then join my guest, Tony Fuel, and me as we talk about building an affordable home studio, time blocking, remote collabs, and so much more. Hi, I'm Monique B. Thomas, and you're listening to the Monique and the Mike podcast, I am here to give you resources and help you navigate the music industry, so hopefully you don't feel so alone. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Please welcome to the podcast, Tony Fuel. Hi, Tony. How you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for
1: asking. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Oh, no. Thank you, actually. Uh, we, we, we don't know each other yet, but we kind of met up in a um, business space Uh, you know, for entrepreneurs, and you reached out and said that there were some things you thought could be interesting to talk about as it pertains to singers. Now, you are a producer, a house music producer, and DJ, you curate music as well. And so you work with singers Mm -hmm. all the time. And I think that this is going to be a very interesting podcast because you can give some insight from inside the industry as to what sort of things that uh, singers are doing that maybe they should stop doing and some things maybe they should start doing and what other improvements they can make. See, this podcast is about artist um, artist development and how to really help um, the artists sort of along this journey. Hopefully, they can avoid some of the bumps and bruises or at least get less bumped and less bruised. So right. you are a music producer and dj and you're married with three kids that's a lot to do together how do you make that work
1: so um let's see i I, I, won't, I won't i won't say that i've mastered all of that but i've learned some techniques along the way that i keep improving upon and one of those is time blocking and that is just ensuring that i have certain time set out for uh or you know set in my calendar for working on music and, uh, the marketing side and also the the production side as well. And so, um, I kind of go through seasons of where I'm like, you know, working on production for, uh, uh, several weeks to, you know, if you, uh, you know, it really kind of depends on how many ideas I have for production, but I've got seasons where I'm kind of more focused on production. And then I have seasons where I'm more focused on the uh, content side of things, but really time blocking. Um, and then also communicating with my partner, uh, as to what works uh, for for them uh, for uh, uh, getting um, m- making sure that uh, it works for our family.
0: Okay, good. Could you just be a little bit more specific? What you mean by time blocking?
1: Sure. So time blocking is really just um, uh, taking your calendar and then setting chunks ch- chunks of time in the calendar for specific types of activities. So, for example. Of course, I'm going to have my work uh, time block, which is you know essentially eight to five. But then I also have time blocks for family time, mm-hmm. and then I have a, a block in my calendar that I that I've set out so two or three hours in the day in a specific day or whatever uh, for working on music production, music production, or you know my music business essentially. And so it's really just um, looking at your calendar and then organizing it by certain types of activities.
0: All right, cool. Anything that can be helpful, because I don't know about you, but I work with a lot of singers, and I know that singers, we're not always the best with organization, So that can be very, very helpful. What I want to get into right away um, as a producer, what are some of the challenges that you face when you're working with singers in the studio?
1: So one of the challenges... um, that I faced with quite a few singers is that there's a lot of rescheduling (laughs) that happens because of, um, for, for a variety of reasons. And so I guess one of the challenges is that, uh, um, as you mentioned, you know, um, musicians in general are not always the most organized. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I haven't necessarily mastered that, but what I, what I, I, I try to make, I try to follow through on what I say that I'm going to do. And I would say that uh, when a singer is working with a producer, that professionalism is super important and following through on what you say you're going to do is, is, is cool. Now there's always going to be things like, you know, you've got a sinus infection and so you, you there's no way that you can really deliver what you know you could. And so you need to reschedule and whatnot, mm-hmm. but Um, that's why it's really important to communicate with the producer and just have good communication skills, um, not canceling at the last minute, things like that. So I guess one of the, one of the biggest challenges, challenges that I've had with, um, working with singers is just flakiness and and not communicating.
0: Yeah. The flakiness is, is that's no fun to deal with as a studio owner, um, when I say studio, I mean my vocal studio, so classes, I've had to use an online uh, service that where students are just booking in their time, so they're paying ahead of time. So if they don't show up, they don't show up. I still got their money. And I can tell you, it's rare that people don't show up. So unfortunately, I've had to sort of go to that thing uh, to sort of oblige students to be where they said they're going to be, you know to hold them to their promise um but I think it has something to do with um th- th- we singers can be a little neurotic w- we tend to live in our heads and we don't often we live so much in our heads that we don't often consider uh how what we're doing or what we're not doing affects other people around us and it's definitely not an excuse I just think it's more of an explanation but um Yeah, uh, showing up when you say you're going to show up and not canceling at the last minute could be a major issue. What about, um, do you work with uh, people remotely?
1: Yeah, so I've actually done most of my projects remotely, um, which I've got to say is is awesome. Like, it's so much easier to do that now these days than it was maybe 10 years ago. So um, I've done a lot of remote uh, work projects. And what I really like is when... Uh, the singer has their own, um, I guess, setup mm. for recording. Um, and they, or they have a relationship with a studio that they can just kind of go in um, and, and do their thing. And so I, I you know, I, I guess the way that that works for remote recording is that, uh, you know, the, the singer and I um, agree on, you know, the terms ahead of time. We make sure that we I mean I don't I don't know I don't always work with contracts I don't need a contract but I do want to make sure that via email we set the terms and we agree on those things so these are just things like basics like uh, what is the split or if um, is it like a work for hire arrangement or is it um, like a kind of a revenue split or a you know a writing split or something like that mm-hmm. um, just things like that working those things Out ahead of time, and then also ensuring that uh, you know we know what the deliverables are going to be ahead of time. So, um, for example, I like to have my file format um, a certain way. So, okay. twenty-four bit depth,
0: right?
1: Twenty-four, you know, twenty-four bit depth, and then you know, forty-four point one kilohertz uh, frequency range.
0: Okay.
1: And so, just little things like that, ensuring that we know ahead of time.
0: Right. So there's no uh,
1: So the deliverables <laughs> will be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or no having to like, you know, do rework or whatever. So, so that's cool. Yeah. Just knowing, knowing things ahead of time. And then, um, what I'll usually do is, um, so I do a lot of writing myself, but, um, I've also done projects where, um, I basically have just like kind of a, an idea of like a musical idea mm-hmm. and then the singer will, uh, write you know, lyrics and a melody on top of what I've written, or um, in the other case, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll actually sing like a really bad scratch vocal of kind of like what I'm going for mm-hmm. uh, with the lyrics and melody that I wrote, okay. and I'll send that over to the singer with like a little bit of a skeleton of a backing track with the chords and everything, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that way they can get the idea of get an idea of what I'm kind of the direction I'm heading and whatnot. So. Um, and just making sure that, uh, you know, we're prepared and we're, we're communicating those expectations up front.
0: Let me ask you a question. How important do you feel it is to work with singers that have basic musicianship versus those that just have a really good sense or feel of the music as far as communicating with them?
1: You know, um... I've worked with singers that have uh, musical background and singers that that don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that it matters that much. I think that like the second, you know, the the latter of what you're talking about is, is the most important. Just um, understanding the feel and the vibe of mm-hmm. what I'm going for. Okay, and of course they have to be you know, technically good enough to to be able to deliver. Mm-hmm. But you know, if somebody's not trained or doesn't have music theory background, um you know, I don't know the difference really, uh, what, what matters at the, in the end is really the, you know, what they deliver in the end result of the, what's, what's on that recording.
0: Right, right, right. If they bring the sauce. Okay. Gotcha. So how do you usually find your singers or do people search you out?
1: So it's, um, it's, uh, various different ways. Um, so being in the house music, uh, scene, um, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with some singers and, you know, we were friends, uh, on social media or we've worked together before. And so I'll work with that singer again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when I was just starting out, I actually worked with, uh, some people in my local community who, who aren't really doing anything with house music. And, um, just, uh, I don't know. There's a, a variety of different ways. I mean, I, um, one singer that I worked with, uh, uh, she and I actually work at the same hospital. And okay. so <laughs> there was an article, like a, an employee, you know, internal article about how she was like kind of sing, sing, singing, seeing for some of her patients. And, um, I was like, Oh, oh nice. I need to reach out to her. So, so I did. And then we did a project together. Okay. And then there's another, you know, project I worked on where I was familiar with the singer and we were kind of connected on social media, mm-hmm. but uh, we hadn't really ever, you know, been on a call or chatted or anything like that. And so, but I was familiar with her and so I reached out to her and, um, you know, we, we went from there. So it's really just uh, mostly word of mouth and like being aware of like, of who's out there.
0: Yeah. I want to... My brain works funny, but it just dawned on me what you said about contracts. And I want to just jump back to that for a second. You said you don't necessarily need contracts. And it's interesting because as I advance in my career and work with different people, most of the people that I enjoy working with are people that I know I don't need a contract with. But in this industry, Mm -hmm. that is usually not the case. So how did you come to that conclusion for yourself?
1: So the first project that I worked on, I was like really like... I don't know, a little bit more anal and just, um, maybe that, I don't, should say that on a podcast, it's but, okay. <laughs> it's all right. but I was a little bit more like, you know, <laughs> I was a little <laughs> bit more of a, I don't know, like Stickler. just a little bit, I guess anxious, if you will. And so I wanted to make sure that I was like dotting all of my eyes and crossing my T's and everything. And so I did a contract and afterwards it kind of felt like, Oh, maybe the vibe is just off a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I, I feel like, I don't know, When you do now, when you get it to bigger levels, you obviously need a contract because Mm -hmm. it protects you and whatnot. But then when you're but when you're working at such a level that, I mean, I'm selling maybe a couple hundred units, moving a couple hundred units, Mm -hmm. and you know there's not a ton of money that's being exchanged. Like usually, like I pay the singer more than what I get end up getting from the from the record label from sales. Mm -hmm. So I guess one way that I came to that conclusion is that there's not like a ton of money that's being exchanged. And then also, um, when I work with singers, uh, you know, repeatedly when I have essentially repeat business, um, you know, you get to know the person you vibe with them, you know, that they deliver. And as long as I feel like as long as the expectations are set up front and you have an email, um, you know, saying this is what kind of I, I expect. And, or, you know, is, does this work for you? I think that's kind of, and that's, I guess that's how it came to that conclusion. It's just like working with people, getting getting more experience, not being paranoid about getting screwed, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you, so, you kind of, yeah. I, I get the kind of feeling that you you sort of, if you look for it, then that's probably what you're going to get into. So if you're expecting people to screw you over, they will. But as we know in this business, a lot of mm-hmm. artists have gotten you know, screwed over for different things. Because I'm thinking, you know, what if, you know, you do that project and you're thinking, well, I'll only move a couple hundred units. And what if it blows up? What then? Because you, you can't always, you know, um, plan that sort of thing. What if something, you you know, you do, it just right. absolutely blows up.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I that would be an amazing problem to have.
0: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, you know, with today's, with all the digital, you know, foot, footprint and footprints and trails that are left behind, I mean, it's pretty easy to prove, like, who does what and, and, and what was you know, said. who originated what. Yeah. Um, I guess what what's really um, the the main thing is really the split mm-hmm. um, of, so if you're doing a work for hire, it's just like, I paid the singer a fee, and that's that. Okay. But then if they do some writing we agree upon a split is usually a 50 50 because I don't know any other fairer way to do it. Mm -hmm. Even if they only write like a few lines or whatever, I still, I still get 50 50 just because I don't know. I want there to be, I want the artist to feel comfortable and feel good about the, the deal that they're getting. So, um, that's cool. So it's just really, um, I don't know. I feel like it with, I feel like an email is just sufficient mm-hmm. at least the level. Now when you get to, like I said, when you get to the higher levels and you're working with, um, bigger labels and whatnot, then
0: yeah, there's contracts. Obviously
1: there's, you need to have a contract
0: and yeah. And entertainment lawyers and all those things that we don't always for like sure. to get into, but that are kind of necessary. Well, thank you for that breakdown about how you work with people. I think it's, uh, something that up and coming singers will really appreciate. Um, I want to know. Yeah. So you work with singers remotely. What would you think would be the basic ideal setup for a recording artist? So you're working with them remotely. What would they need to have to get started?
1: So they actually don't need um, their own setup. Like it's not required that they have their own setup, but mm-hmm. they would need to have a relationship with a studio.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, that they, I wouldn't necessarily go in. If I was a new singer, I wouldn't necessarily go into a studio and say, and um, just, I don't know, pay for the time. I guess that that's what you maybe have to do when you're just starting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think this through here. No, um, that's okay. But, um, you know, maybe you have some friends that have some recording equipment and you can you can work with them. So start with what you have, even if it's a little bit crappy. I think that a lot of us uh, tend to get into kind of perfectionism mode and we let that stop us from moving forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I would say that if, this, if a singer is listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, well I don't have my own equipment and I can't afford that right now, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm, I, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily know the technical side of things enough to be able to make it work or whatever. Then you don't have to necessarily have your own equipment, Okay, just to uh, have a relationship with a studio that you can work with. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting your own equipment, um, you get more, you have more power over your career mm. and you can work with, it opens up so many more opportunities yeah. and you don't have to rely on the studio. You can be your own boss and do things on your terms a little bit more.
0: Yeah. You can record at three in the morning if your living conditions permit.
1: <laughs> so I'd say that the, the the bare minimum of equipment that you would need is, you know, obviously a laptop or, you know, a, a desktop, desktop computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that like, you could probably use an iPad or a phone mm-hmm. of some kind. But um, just when we're recording, uh, generally laptops and, and desktops are better. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people already have a laptop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So so a laptop or a desktop. And you could get a USB condenser microphone. There's um the Audio-Technica AT2020 USB. And I think um, I actually just saw it on sweetwater.com. That's a music retailer in the United States here. Okay. Um, but they're available everywhere else. Uh, I think they're worldwide distributed. Um, you can, again, that's an Audio Technica AT 2020. Okay. There's a, there's a USB version and an XLR version. Okay. You could start with the USB version and it's, it's like $80 oh, okay, um, cool. and up.
0: Okay.
1: And so, yeah. And then you need a. Um, uh, an application to record that into, so we call those a DAW mm-hmm. or a digital audio workstation. Right, and there are there are actually some free DAWs out there, so you don't necessarily need something that's several hundred dollars. If you have an Apple, those you know, apples obviously come from come with Garage Band brand or Garage Band, right? So that's free. And so, really, all you need all you would need in that case is a decent microphone, a condenser microphone. And that's the, very, I would say that's level zero.
0: And then the, uh, focus, right. That I'm using actually to record this podcast with. So I plug the, the, uh, cable right into that. Um, and then that plugs into my computer and that runs about, I think a hundred or 120 euros. So it might mm-hmm. be a little bit more in dollars. So I, you know, I I, right. I appreciate you talking about this because while it you know it is a certain cost at some point when you get into anything anything has a cost. I mean, if you're going to play golf, I mean that's a that's an expensive sport. If you're going to play tennis, if, totally. You know, everything that we decide to get into has a cost. So at some point, we have to ask ourselves how serious we are about what we're trying to do. And, you know, put that money aside if, absolutely, you know, because I'd imagine going to the studio is going to be a cost. I don't know how much that would cost, but, you know, because um, I usually do stuff like this on my own and I, I never have to pay for studio time. I'm, I've been mm-hmm. lucky that way. But um, if you add up those costs of going to the studio and paying for that studio time, eventually you're going to come up to the cost of having your own mic and, and stuff at home. I think, you know.
1: So I have worked with singers. Um, you know, I've, I've I've worked with singers who are dependent on a studio. And, um, you know, it's, it does cost them some money. And so really they're making a lot less money, uh, you know, in in profit than they would if they were actually just charging the same amount and having their own equipment.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to get into house music because... I don't know if a lot of our listeners listen to house music or know a lot about house music. I listen to house music um, at probably in college age. Uh, so for me, house music is always music mm-hmm. I want to move my butt to. But it's not a music that I know a lot about. I want to know what kinds of singers are you looking for when you're working with singers for house music?
1: Well, um, the style of house music that I produce is kind of like that sound that originated in the '80s and kind of blew up in the '90s, and it's more that classic. You know, we call it. I'm going to put it in air quotes. Proper house music. Okay. Um, so it's really that you know cl- kind of classic sounding house music. Uh, think of Robin S. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Show Me Love. That's probably like the biggest, yeah, one of the biggest house music tracks that went global. And mm-hmm. so I'm looking for. A certain sound of you know a lot of the singers have like gospel background mm-hmm. you know and they can sing they can do riffs and runs and um you know they've got they've got like a lot of souls so that's kind of what i'm looking for in house music yeah but then you know um you know that gospel sound isn't necessarily required there's a whole range of um different styles within house music even and some of some of the deeper house cuts are a little bit more like a kind of a Sade type of sound, you know, in the vocals or whatever. So okay. um, it really just kind of depends on the project and the vibe of the track.
0: Yeah. Nice. Would you say that house requires um, someone to be very comfortable with doing ad libs?
1: I, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Because there's um, there's some uh, a lot of producers will want like a dance break uh, in in the track and that's really when the ad-libs come in mm-hmm. uh, and also in the intro and, you know, more of those, uh, those spaces in between the verse and the chorus or the, you know, the chorus and like the next verse or whatever. And so, yeah, I think ad-libbing is, is actually super important.
0: Yeah. You know what I, I try to teach my students about ad-libbing is that it really is the key to understanding what a singer is made of. Because some singers can take direction really, really well, but then when you sort of let them off the leash—not that they're dogs, but you know what I mean—when you let them run free, it's like which way are they going to run? How fast are they going to run? What direction is this interesting? It shows how um, creative they are and how well they know their <laughs> instrument. You know their chops, their vocal chops. So I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, ad libbing is such an important part. Um, And that's not just an important part of house, it's an important part of most uh, black American styles, so gospel, soul, R&B, and jazz. Anyway, I wanted to know, because everybody's talking about AI at the moment, how has AI affected the house music scene?
1: So that's really still up for discussion and to be determined, because I haven't really seen uh, AI... Like, I don't use any AI tools in my productions yet, um, and I haven't really seen a lot of AI being used uh, among my peers. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is that with the onset of AI in music, I think it's gonna, I think the it's going to kind of uh, influence more of a kind of a backlash and people are going to want to see a little bit more live instrumentation, Mm -hmm. live performances during house music sets. So it's not going to be just DJ sets. And then I think that people are going to want to see singers live with, you know, in, in tandem with the DJ sets.
0: Nice. I Actually, I kind of enjoy that. It seems like, you know, with everything expanding, it's such a, fast rate when by expansion I mean everything's speeding up we're getting to be able to do things and process things faster and faster and faster I do feel like at some point we're going to implode and we have to sort of contract and go back to the basics and the basics would be you know live performances without auto-tune you know just people singing over great music great singing over great music so just to close things out here What is it that you are looking forward to in the future of house music?
1: Let's see. That's a really good question. I might need a minute to collect my thought here.
0: That's okay. We've got plenty of lag.
1: (laughs) Well, what I'm I'm looking forward to in, in house music in the future is, um, more lounge events, more intimate gatherings where people listen to a deeper sound. That's, uh, not quite as like banging and probably uh, part of that answer is probably because I'm getting older and I, I want a little bit more intimacy. So, um, I guess that's what I'm looking forward to in the future. But I also think that as a scene worldwide, um, I, I feel like people in general want a little bit more intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that house music returning to more of the, the lounge, uh, environment rather than, um, a loud club is going to be that's what i'm looking forward to the most in the future of house music
0: nice i love that well listen tony i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule from your your family uh to talk to me today and to help our listeners to understand how they can better work with producers in the future are, are there any last thoughts that you might have concerning anything we spoke about today
1: yeah so um you know talk talked little bit about the equipment that is needed i kind of started with level zero but you know when you're and that's the bare, bare bones minimum that you would need but then there's really a, another level that you have up and you were kind of alluding to this when you when you were talking about your focus right um uh, interface and that's really where you start getting a more professional and high quality sound yes you can use an, a usb mic if that's what you got but really the when you want to take yourself seriously and become more of a professional singer, you're going to, you are going to need that audio interface, um, and a, and a good XLR microphone. Um, and you can, you know, you can start with the microphone that's a hundred bucks and then go from there and then just can, can, you know, consistently improve and upgrade when you have the resources to do so. And, um, you know, you also probably want some acoustic treatment in, your space that you're recording Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then um, I would also say that, um, yeah, I just want to reiterate uh, that understanding the terms up front is super important and just ensuring that you're communicating those. um, And uh, know what you got, know, know where, know who you are as a musician and what you bring to the table um, a lot of times, if you know your range, your vocal range up front, that'll be super helpful. So know your floor, your ceiling, and kind of your sweet spot range, and the, the different styles that you can sing. And uh, just yeah, know who you are and, and what what your what your strengths and weaknesses are.
0: Wonderful. So thank you so much. You've heard it here. Know thyself when you work with anybody else. Um, I'll put all the information in the show notes so that everybody can pop on over to see you on YouTube and check out your podcast and listen to some of your music. Have a wonderful day, Tony.
1: Well, thank you so much again for having me on the podcast, and thanks for the conversation. Take care.
0: Okay. Well, there you have it. From the mouth of an industry professional, uh, before I let you go, I'd like to just go over a few of the key takeaways. He talked about the importance of professionalism On the part of singers and it's interesting that he would mention that that means that it's typically a problem if he's mentioned it and it's not the first time I've heard that and to be honest with you when I was starting out I wasn't always the most professional so I know we can all make some progress there meaning do what you say you're going to do show up on time show up prepared and get the work done. Another thing is making sure that, you know, when you, you're you trying to get into this industry and you want to record is that you either have a personal relationship with a recording studio so that you can get in easily or set up your own home studio. Now, of course, nobody's expecting you to set up a professional studio with the high end equipment, but you can start building little by little. I mean, I know people that start with just a, I mean, I personally started with just an uh, sure Uh, SM58 mic, which is not a studio mic at all, but you do what you got to do. The other thing was time blocking. So if you didn't understand, time blocking is simply making sure you plan in your calendar and saying that this block of time, and that could be an hour, that can be two or even a half an hour, that is dedicated weekly to a particular task. So for instance, me on Wednesdays, Wednesday afternoon is dedicated to podcast recording, um, Tuesday is dedicated to my newsletter, et cetera, et cetera. And so you know ahead of time what you're going to do, and your brain is already set up for that. And the last thing that he talked about that I thought was really interesting is he wants the singers to come in knowing their range. And he used some very particular terms. He said knowing your ceiling, so that means how high you can go in a range that's going to sound good, not just you know your highest note physically, but your highest nice note or beautiful note he also said your floor so that's your lowest nice note and then he said your sweet spot your sweet spot is like really where your voice opens up and we all if you've done enough work with your voice if you've you know taken lessons and studied long enough you begin to know that spot where your voice just wow it just opens right up and knowing that means that you've been at this for a while you've been working that voice you know it very well Well, there you go. Hopefully this was helpful to you and you have all the information you need to start at least doing some recording projects or some remote collaborations with people. Listen, if you're enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a comment, you know, leave a review and subscribe so you can get me every single week. Thank you so much for listening. Musically, Monique.